Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. All right, let's jump in. Today, I want to continue our talk around discipleship. Can you just say that word? Say discipleship. I want to talk about, continue our t- to talk around this subject of discipleship. You know, discipleship is one of those words that we throw around in church a lot, right? We need to get discipled. We should be discipling one another. You know, um, if, if you weren't able to listen to, to last week's message, I encourage you to get on the podcast and, uh, and check that out. But last week, we started to dive into this subject of discipleship. And we really, we really started to talk about how we actually get discipled. You know, you can hear this word discipled, you, 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 discipleship. Hey, you should get discipled. But how is it as the church? How do we actually get discipled? I mean, there's, there's usually only one pastor, maybe two max, and like they can't get to everybody. So how, how do we get, get, get discipled? And here's the thing that we discovered is that discipleship actually starts with us, not someone else. Let me say that again. Discipleship actually starts with us, not someone else. And what I mean by that is if you want discipleship in your life, guess what you need to start with? You need to start with a heart for discipleship. It actually starts with you valuing getting discipled. It actually starts with you putting a, putting a, a number, a value on, hey, you know what? I, I actually want discipleship in my life. And here's why this is important. Because whatever you value, you will attract into your life. You can just, that, that is a general truth that you can apply to anything in the kingdom. What you value, you will attract. You want to know why? Because what you value, you have faith for. It's not the value that's attracting it. It's actually the faith behind the value that's attracting it. Faith is what literally pulls heaven to earth. Come on, I'm not preaching to anybody this morning, right? Come on, that's a good word right there. So when you value something, You put value. Here's what you're saying. I believe in that. I want that. And guess what? The Lord starts to bring it faithfully into your life. How many know you did not? (laughs) Everything that you have in your life came from the grace of God. You didn't even have enough willpower to want salvation. You know who prompted salvation in your heart? The Holy Spirit. That's a scripture. Don't know where it is. Look it up. But it says we, no one receives Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. God literally even provided the Holy Spirit to unbelievers in a way. I don't even know what to do with my theology on, on that one. But like he, he's so good. Everything we have in our life, it actually, it's, it's from him. And I have no idea where I was going with that point, but we're just going to move on, okay? But discipleship, it starts, it starts with our value. It starts in the heart. You know, Jesus said, um, uh, the Great Commission, you all know it. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, go into all the world and make, make what? Make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. You know what that word disciple means? It means to be a follower. A disciple is a follower. Uh, More, kind of to get more into that definition, a disciple is a person who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another. A disciple adheres or sticks to or follows the teachings of another. 
I want you to think about something that adheres to something, you know, like you peel off, peel off that sticky piece and you, you just stick it on something. That is what, that's kind of what a follower does. It, 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 a disciple does. It sticks to the thing that it's following. If you're going to watch the Super Bowl today, you're watching a lot of, we're not, they're not little, you're watching a lot of big disciples run around the field. You know what they're a disciple of? The game of football. They love that game. They adhere to that game. They've been studying that game. They've been playing video games of that game their whole life. Like, and guess what? It's paid off, right? It's, they, they, are, they are learners and they are doers of the game of football. You know, as disciples of Jesus, guess what we are called to do? We are called to be learners and doers of the teaching of Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus, that's what, we, that's what it looks like. I follow him. You know, Jesus said to go and make disciples, and this is, this is what he said in the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So, so check this out. A good discipler, that's not a word, but we're going to use it, right? A good discipler is, is someone who teaches, which tells me this, a good disciple is someone who learns. A disciple of Jesus, they're a learner. They've got a teachable heart, a teachable spirit. Called, called to as, as believers. If, if you, if you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, would you just raise your hand today? And that means you're called to be a learner and a doer of the ways and teachings of Jesus. Amen? This is what a disciple is. And so today I want to kind of more specifically, I want to dive in and, and answer this question. Where is it that we actually get discipled? Where do we go to get discipleship? Maybe another, another way to phrase that question, where do we find discipleship? Where does the Bible, where does scripture actually teach us to go so that we can get discipled? Newsflash, you don't have to show up to the pastor's office. There's actually another place to go. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to dive into this today. Where does discipleship take place? This is Paul. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's teaching these believers what it looks like to be in the church and what the church, um, how it should function, what it should look like. Verse 11, it says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Notice that statement. Let's not run past that. These are gifts that Jesus himself gave to the church. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to people. The Holy Spirit gave gifts. Did you know that Jesus gave gifts? No, you didn't. Okay, so I'm showing you right here. So Jesus, I'm not sure, you know, no, one, no one answered me. So Jesus actually gave gifts to the church. And look at what he gave. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now notice what their responsibility is. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Come on, say, that's me. Responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. They equip and they build up. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature. That we will be mature. We'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We're going to break down this scripture today, but um, I don't have a really cool uh, title for my message, so it's more like a sentence, okay? So just bear with me. Discipleship happens in spiritual family. Discipleship happens in spiritual family. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask you to bless it. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and lead us, to guide us into all truth. You are the one who is the expert in truth, Holy Spirit. And so I just pray that even as I speak, you speak, and you lead us today. We open up ourselves to you and say, Lord, change us today to look more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Amen. Um, how many of you have uh, you've experienced something new before or something innovative and, um, and you had this thought after you experienced it. You said, how did I ever live without this? Anybody ever thought that? Like, how did I, th- like, how did I ever, how did humanity ever live without this thing? Let me, let me give you an example to kind of make more sense. And, and I'm going to kind of date myself just a tad, all right? Just a tad. There is gray in this beard, okay? All right? Just a tad. How many of you remember... <laughs> How do you, how many, I don't know why I'm laughing. How many remember when GPS navigation systems came out? Anybody remember that? All right, we got a couple in the front. You just need to sit back and listen, young lady, okay, right? Like, like, I don't know if if you remember when these things came out, but like navigation systems changed the game, right? I'm not talking about the ones already in your car. I'm not talking about the phone. I'm talking about the whole separate little thing with the suction cup. We're like, that one right there, right? That's the best sound effect I've ever made, by the way. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> it, was, it was decent, okay? But like, y'all know what I'm talking about? You had to charge it and you had to keep it plugged in. You had that Garmin or me and Natalie, we bought a TomTom. Anybody, ever, did anybody have a TomTom? You know what? You know what people used? You know what people used before navigation systems? Maps. Paper, paper Maps. And, I, and I, if, you, if you really start to think about it, like, how did humanity ever get anywhere? Have you looked, when's the last time you looked at a map? Like, they're so hard to read, right? Not to mention, you know, we have, like, like we have our, our maps on our phone today, and there's all this talk, which I completely agree with, you know, hey, like, be careful, don't look at your phone while you're driving. Back in the day, we weren't looking at a four-inch screen. You know what we were looking at? A four-by-six-foot map. And we just opened it up in the, in the cabin. It was going to the front seat, the back seat. And not to mention, then we had a big old CD case. We were flopping open. We were like, Who? Creed. We're listening to Creed today. You know, like, what are we? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Deep down in the heart right there. Creed. He, they can take me higher, okay? Yes, they can. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I remember um, me and Natalie, we literally just got married. We woke up the next morning and we, drove, we were driving to Dallas um, because we were going to fly out of Dallas and go to Cozumel, uh, Mexico for our, for our honeymoon. And, um, you know, this is, before, this is before we had the, the GPS, the navigation system. And so we're, we're, we're rolling. We're rolling. We're good until we pull into Dallas. And if you've been to Dallas, you understand. 
They've got exits for exits for the exits, right? You, it, is, it just got so confusing. And she's, I'm in the driver's seat and she's in the passenger seat. And things are being said. <laughs> Arguments are kind of happening. Because I'm taking the place, I'm going the place she tells me to go. And then I'm stuck with another exit. Where do I go? And she's, I'm like, babe, babe, which one? And she's like, left. I'm like, you just literally guessed. That's what you just did. You just guessed. And now we're, and we, we were fighting. And I mean, <laughs> we weren't even 24 hours into the marriage. And we were just at each other's necks. And I, I'll never forget, we pulled over and we rolled into this parking lot. We were completely lost. And this was so, I give credit to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm like, babe, this is what we're going to do. Everything that gets said from this moment until we pull into the hotel parking lot, we have to agree we will, we will uh, forgive whatever is said when we pull in. Deal? We literally like shaked on, shook on it. And we were like, yes, deal. And, and we, we, we said some other things, right? But like, I, I hate to kind of prolong this analogy, but... You know, right now, today, if you wanted to pull out a paper map, you could. You could pull out your map, and you could get to the destination. You could get to where you wanted to go. But we all know that there's actually a better way. We know that there's a more efficient way. There's a, there, there's a better way to get to the place that we are supposed to get to. And, and if I could kind of say it this way, it's like we, we were all good with our maps, but when we finally got the navigation system, it was like we, we didn't know we needed it until we had it. We didn't know we, it was like, man, how did I ever live without this? And as we're talking about discipleship today, when it comes to discipleship, you know, there's a lot of ways for you to get discipled. You can come and get discipled by a Sunday message. You can come and get discipled, or you, you, can, you can find discipleship when you spend time alone with Jesus. You can find discipleship when you open up Scripture and you read Scripture. You can find discipleship in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. But guess what? There's another way. There's another way that Scripture actually points to. And, and, and one of the main ways I've discovered that we find discipleship in our life is we find discipleship in spiritual family. And spiritual family is one of those things that once you find it, you'll wonder how you ever lived without it. You, you, you can get to where you're going like you've been going. You can have that relationship with Jesus that's so close. And will you get discipled? Absolutely. But can I just say, there's a way faster way to get to where you're going. You can get to the destination multiple ways. In fact, I would, I would I'd venture out to say this. You really can't even get all the way to where you need to be without spiritual family. Do I believe Jesus is enough? Yes. Do I believe he's everything? Yes. But I also believe you can't just get there with, with just Jesus. Because Jesus actually teaches it's not just about your relationship with him. It's about your relationship with people. Spiritual family. What is spiritual family? Spiritual family is just like natural family. You got the people you like and the people you're just, you're, you're working on. No, it's, it, spiritual family is, is the people that you, 
you have connected to. It's the people that are around you today. It's the people that have said, I am here in this church and going after this vision. I'm with these people. We're pulling in the same direction. Like your spiritual family, just like you didn't get to pick your natural family, guess what? You don't really get to pick your spiritual family. God play, I believe God places us in spiritual family. And then we look around and be like, yep, Lord, this is my family now. Discipleship, you know what's actually found? It's not just found in the one-on-one with the mentor in your life. It's actually found in the people sitting next to you. You know, this is what Paul is actually teaching us in Ephesians chapter 4. If you would, would you go back with me? I want to read verse 11. Before I do that, I I just want to say this. When we begin to embrace spiritual family, there is a spiritual growth that takes place in our life that you cannot get by yourself. When you embrace spiritual family, there will be a spiritual growth that will come to your life that you won't be able to get by yourself. Ephesians chapter 4 Paul talking, notice what he said. He said, these gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Notice the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Notice the gift, let me say it this way. Notice the gifts Jesus gave to the people of God. You know the gift that he gave? People. He gave people. Imperfect, annoying people. He gave people. He gave us the apostle, the prophet. They're really annoying. The prophets are super annoying, right? The apostle, the prophet. I love prophets, by the way. I honor prophets. It was just a joke. The, pro- the, 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 the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. You know what the evangelists do? They just come in and just, woo, they just tear everything up and just feel good about it, right? The, po- the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And notice what their job is to do. It is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up his church. It goes on to say the goal of of the equipping and the building up is what? We come to unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. You know what this scripture, you know, if I could just put a a word on this this passage, you know what word I would give it? Discipleship. Jesus literally gave gifts to the church, and the gifts are to equip, to build them up, and to get them to maturity. Sounds like discipleship to me, right? This is literally God has, Jesus has placed people in our lives that are, that are, that are here to disciple us. You know, kind of a side note here, I want you to know there's a reason why we have a teaching team here. There's a, there's a reason why, not because it's, it's the cool thing to do in modern day church now. The reason we have a teaching team, the reason that we bring in guest speakers who are most of the time nothing like, this, nothing like us. You know why we do that? Is because we know that scripture teaches that you need the apostle, you need the prophet, you need the pastor, you need the evangelist, and you need the teacher. And you will not reach maturity and completeness without all five. You can't get it just from me. You can't get it just from a pastor. You can't get it just from an apostle. You actually need all five working in your life, pointing you in this direction, igniting that little thing in you, that you, you that's not natural to you. you. You need it all. That's why we do that. And so these people, they, they, they've been, they were a gift. They're a gift to you to disciple you. But here's the cool part. It actually doesn't stop there. 
It doesn't just start and stop with the man on stage or the woman on stage or the pastors in the church. Look at what Paul says in verse 16. It says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It doesn't say that he makes the fivefold apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. Not those. He's talking about everyone here. It says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And look at it. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow. Why? So that the whole body is healthy, so that the whole body is growing, and so that the whole body is full of love. You know what this actually tells me? Well, first of all, can we agree that sounds like discipleship? We're growing, building, healthy, full of love. You know what this actually tells me? That discipleship isn't just about the man on stage, but it's about everyone around you. Discipleship, the biblical model, one of the ways that we get discipled, one of the ways we, we are taught in Scripture to get discipled is that we connect to spiritual family. It comes from the apostle. It comes from the prophet. It comes from the person sitting next to you. It comes from the older brother. It comes from the younger brother. It comes from that sister. It comes from that crazy uncle. It comes from everybody. It tells me that you are called to disciple the people in this room. And you are called to get discipled by the people in this room. And when each person does its own special part, I just heard the Lord say this. How do I know what my special part is? Well, first, if you'd get connected, you'd probably figure it out. That, that was harsh. I didn't mean it that way. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. It's when we take the, 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 the step of faith to get connected that then the work comes. That he, he shows you. You know what? We, spiritual family, you know what it is? It's just like natural family. It kind of gets messy sometimes. Church is messy. Family is messy. Can I just say, I'm okay with it. I'm actually okay with you joining a home church and you giving a, a wrong prophetic word. I'm actually okay with you missing it as long as you're going for it by faith. Now what I would ask is you would be teachable. Be teachable. Just be a disciple. You get a prophetic word? You know what I'm asking you to do too? If you get a wrong prophetic word, tell them nicely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I'll take it before the Lord. It's not really hitting me right now, but gosh, you're amazing. Thanks for telling me that. Maybe do a little bit better than that, but you get the point. You see, we're, we find discipleship in our connection with one another. You actually have something to give. We all have something to learn. <clears throat> I think this is so freeing because many of us, many of the church world is waiting. They are waiting for someone to come to them to disciple them. Oh man, I'd, I'd get discipled if someone would just come disciple me. It, it just doesn't work that way. Has anyone, I mean, 
anyone in the room had someone come to you and say, hey man, I'm here to disciple you. You're welcome. <laughs> Anybody had that? Like, if you have, chances are you should probably run from that person and find someone else. No, it's, we, we have this stigma and this idea of what discipleship should look like. And if I go back to scripture, you know what I see? I see people devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. I see the church committing to homes and getting around people and sharing meals and, and, and doing this thing together. And I see God breaking out in the middle of it. I see scriptures that say, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. It doesn't say as iron sharpens iron, so one pastor sharpens his congregation. Like, we're the body of Christ. I don't have every part, you don't have every part, but we can get every part when we connect. You see, here's the kicker to this whole thing. You can hear this message all day and be like, yeah, pastor, amazing word. It won't happen in your life until you connect. Lord said it to me this way, discipleship happens through connection. Discipleship actually happens through connection. And you know what that, you know, I'm going to kind of say a statement that goes along with that. It says, this is good right here. The deeper the connection, the deeper the discipleship. The more I'm connected with you, the more I know what food you like, what animals you have at your house, which animals you wish you didn't have at your house. <laughs> the, the name of your kids, the things that you're going through, the, the fun that you like to have, the, 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 the thing that you're just kind of working through, the places in your spiritual walk where you're like, I just don't understand why God won't. You see, it's there. Oh, man, being that connected, now discipleship starts to happen. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. That discipleship does not happen on a Sunday morning. It doesn't. A level of discipleship happens. There is a level. There is some learning. You are becoming a disciple here, even right now. But the deeper the connection, the deeper the discipleship. You know, this is why we have our, this is why we have our home churches. This is why we have home church pastors. This is why we call them home churches and not home groups. This is why we call them home church pastors and not home group leaders. Because we actually believe in the home. We actually believe that deeper connection happens in the home. And if there's deeper connection, there is deeper discipleship. And what I want for you, what I so desire for your life, is I actually want you to find real godly relationships. I actually want you to find those people in your life where it's not just you who's pushing towards God, they're pushing towards God. And sometimes they're pushing harder than you and you just get a little bit jealous about their push. That's what I want for you. I want people who are, who are um, uh, you know, further along in life and that can help you. They've raised kids. They did a good job. They can help you. I want you to be able to go to your home church and connect to someone and be like, man, my little girl, she is just being a turd. Can you please help me? This is what she's doing. This is what she won't do. Did you, do you have anything to, to, to give me? Their answer will probably be no, just hang on. But still, I'd like you to have that person. I want you to be that person for other people. I think this is what, I don't think we have to overcomplicate this thing. I think this is what the body of Christ, this is what spiritual family 
This is what it looks like. If you're not involved in a home church, I'm not asking you to get involved so that we have good numbers. I'm asking you to get involved because I want you to get discipled. I'm asking you to get involved because I want some discipleship to happen to you and I want you to do some discipling. You know, you know some of the best ways I've gotten discipled? By discipling someone else. Because when I tell somebody what to do and when I help somebody and give some advice in their marriage, guess what the Holy Spirit says? How's your marriage doing? Your marriage still doing all right? That's really good how you taught him to really, really love his wife. How you doing, Keith? You doing all right? By the way, gentlemen, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. If you didn't like my message, you at least got that. You're welcome. But we're, we're, we're connecting to spiritual family. I'll close right here. Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> I love this. This is the, the first church. It's, it's the church that just experienced 3,000 people getting saved. Here the Holy Spirit rushes into the room. There's people breaking out in tongues. It's just amazing. Peter gets up. He preaches an amazing message. 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. And, 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 and here's, what, here's what they do. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. This is just amazing. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. That's what we're doing right here. They met under the apostles' teaching. They met, they came, and they gathered together, and they heard a teaching from the Lord. They met in the temple, temple each day. And then notice this next part. And they met in homes. They met in, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what's so interesting about these people? The first church. You know what they 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 didn't have that we have? They didn't have a Bible. You know the first church didn't have? They didn't have Ephesians chapter 4. But they had someone known as the Holy Spirit. And you know where the Holy Spirit directed them to do? The Holy Spirit said, hey, you guys who just got saved, it's time for you to form a family. It's time for you to get involved in family. It's time for you to form a community. It's time for you not just to meet in the temple each day. I want you to meet in homes. I want you to share meals together. I want you to take care of each other. I want you to celebrate, have fun, drink good wine. Like, just, just be family. I just threw that out there just in case you're a little bit religious, just to kind of. <clears throat> I wrote it down this way. The believers, their response was to run to God and to run to each other. The response to, man, God's moving, God's doing this thing. You know, their, their response was, I'm going to run to God, and I'm going to run to spiritual family. I'm going to get connected. 
you're not involved in spiritual family, you know what I want to ask you to do? I just want to ask you to get involved. I want you to jump in. I want you to jump into a home church. And I'm asking you, will you push, will, will you push past the awkward for discipleship? Will you push past the fear so that you get sharpened? Will you push past all the, all the things that get in the way? You know what? I mean, even, even Blake was talking about maybe that step of faith is getting more involved and getting in a home and serving and all that. You know, I, I'm a person too. You know what I realize? I realize that, that going and showing up at somebody's house and you don't know a soul and you walk in, guess what I know? I know it's awkward. I know that it's awkward. You know what was probably awkward back in the day with the first church? First of all, hearing all them people speak in tongues, that was probably pretty weird. And then you got people sharing meals and selling property and buying people stuff and taking, like, it wasn't comfortable. The kingdom of God is not comfortable. The only way we get comfortable is if we just get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I've, over the years, I've gotten extreme, you can tell, I'm extremely comfortable with the uncomfortable. I will make it awkward in church real quick. All I got to do is say the word sex and people go, <gasps> like, I just, I, I'm okay with the uncomfortable because I realize that that's the place that we grow. Even the analogy, as iron sharpens iron, guess what happens when iron sharpens iron? Sparks fly. It's uncomfortable. But come on, man, like, like let's be tougher. Can I say that? Like, let's be tough. Get past the awkward. Well, it was awkward. I, I tried. Try again. Oh, I went two weeks. Go three weeks. Oh, I went six weeks. Go the whole time. You're already six weeks in. Like, keep showing up. Don't believe God. Like, you're engaging in the thing that he tells you to engage in. You're saying, Lord, I want spiritual family. I want to be connected. I want to find my people. I want to get discipled. I don't just want Sunday morning. I want real, genuine life with people. And we find it in spiritual family. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.